Welcome to Managed Carecast, a podcast from the American Journal of Managed Care. My name is Allison Ansaro, Senior Editor of the American Journal of Managed Care. This episode of Managed Carecast is being broadcast a few days before Veterans Day, a day the country sets aside to honor all who served in the armed forces. Today, we're speaking with a Vietnam veteran who is known for bringing awareness to the fact that veterans across the country may be missing out on health care and long-term care benefits they are entitled to. Bill Allman, a state employee working for the Department of Social and Health Services in Washington State, founded a program in 2002 called the Veteran Benefit Enhancement Program, or VBEP when he realized that the state was using Medicaid funds to pay for care for veterans who didn't know about their other benefits. While Medicaid costs are shared between both the state and the federal government, veterans' benefits are paid for entirely by federal funds, and Bill realized that the state could save money while helping these veterans at the same time. Bill is retiring at the end of 2019, and before he does, he wants to spread word about this program one more time. His idea has spread to more than 30 other states, but implementation varies. Bill, welcome to the podcast. Well, thank you for having me, Allison. So do you want to start out at the beginning as a state employee, what you were seeing when you first created the the VB program, or as you call it, the Veterans Benefit Enhancement Program? Well, uh, when I was uh, a long-term care supervisor um, managing a unit that uh, determined eligibility for long-term care, uh, I was getting return information from the VA because after the COLA update that they would do at the end of each year, I would look to get the uh, new COLA amount, the cost of living amount, based upon the the 1.5 or up to 3% sometimes that the cost of living increase would be. So when we were getting the information back, not only was it obviously wrong because in many occasions it would be lower than the amount that uh, they were getting before the COLA update, which, so in other words, it should be more. So I began to look uh, look at it that way. And then as I started looking at it, I noticed that our veteran population wasn't wasn't at the uh, level that it should be because at the time there were 12 percent of the population general population in the country were veterans and i think at the time washington state was riding about 14 percent in our long-term care population which if anything should be higher than the uh, general population was only running at five percent now that coupled with a lady that came in to see me about an estate recovery bill Because for long-term care Medicaid, uh, that is the only Medicaid that you have to repay the state for all the Medicaid expenses that were incurred during stay in long-term care. And in fact, there's a question in the application that reads, I agree to repay the state for all the Medicaid extended through the long-term care Medicaid program. And you'd say, well, how do they do that? They don't really have any income. Otherwise, why are they applying for Medicaid? And that's true with the exception of them usually having a home that's paid for Uh, 60% of the population at our long-term care Medicaid own their own home. So it occurred to me when this elderly lady came in wanting to speak to a supervisor, she had a bill that 
reflected $75,000 in Medicaid expenses that she owed. And she was your uh, quintessential elderly grandma. I mean, the kind you want to hug, you know, uh, did herself all up when she came in. And she um, said, I know I agreed to repay the state because they told me they would deny the application if I didn't. And I don't have a problem with that. But I just wanted to make sure that the military, I know we had military and it turns out that her husband, who uh, the application was for, went into a, he had a stroke and went into a coma and never recovered. The woman wanted to know if her husband had any other military benefits that she was unaware of. Like other couples of that generation, the husband took care of the finances and the insurance. And when trying to understand and figure out his estate bill, she had no idea where anything was or what he was entitled to. When Bill first looked in the system, there were no records of the couple. But it turns out they had coverage through TRICARE, which used to be called CHAMPUS. The health benefits program for the military and veterans changed names in the mid-90s. I said, well, let me check. Uh, so I took uh, his name and social security number and I called the state VA and the state VA told me with their real-time access that he was a commander, a retired commander from the United States Navy. By virtue of that, uh, had TRICARE coverage, which uh, obviously wasn't reflected uh, in our computer screen and our, and our system. Officials were able to use the program to wipe out the $75,000 debt incurred by the veteran's long-term care, and Bill realized that if this had happened to her, it was probably happening to other people as well. You know, that, that would have probably covered most of that bill. I called our OFM people and said, you know, we have a problem because they ended up wiping that bill out. And this was prior to the Part D coverage, and she was using Kaiser Permanente to supplement her Medicare for prescription drug coverage, and she was paying some somewhere in the vicinity of $250 a month, she said. And I said, well, um, you don't really need that anymore because with TRICARE, um, you that will offset you know anything that will supplement anything that you know TRICARE doesn't cover, and it covers 100% of your prescription drugs. And she was ecstatic. You know, I said you could tell Kaiser you don't want you don't need them anymore. And, and it occurred to me right then, it was an epiphany that I wonder how many other clients that are particularly long-term care related that get bills for estate recovery that we weren't aware of and might have military coverage or if they don't already could qualify for military coverage and not aware of it. So I uh, brought my idea to the State Department of Veteran Affairs and they were extremely excited and said, you know, you're on to something. And uh, my boss at the time was extremely receptive and said, you know, I'm going to run this up the ladder, but I think I, I think I could go on a limb and say, go for it and see what you could come up with. That was where the project was born because over the next six months, I met with the state VA and after numerous whiteboard meetings, um, we put together what we thought was a good program to run a pilot through. We chose Clark County, which is where I'm located right now, because it seems to be a county in Washington state that uh, mirrors the actual state population. In other words, if I were to go further north into another county where the military base Fort Lewis is, it might 
be a little bit, uh, it might skew uh, the statistics uh, because Clark County more resembles the, the general veteran population of the entire state. So following a year pilot, it seemed to be the kind of program that I thought it might be. The savings for the first year was $800,000, which is quite a bit when you think that, you know, you have to generate claims during that first year that go up to, uh, in, at the time, Seattle to the regional office. And it takes anywhere between nine months and uh, a year and a half for a new claim to be adjudicated. So I cautioned uh, our legislature that, you know, don't take this as, uh, as the basis for what, you know, the savings will be every year because of the sheer number of claims that we have waiting adjudication up in Seattle uh, in the last year. They set a goal for our next following two years to be $2.4 million. They said, if you could reach that goal, that we'll know that this program is definitely solvent. And uh, we concentrated on long-term care clients, not only because the idea that they have to repay it's the only Medicaid program that you have to repay through a state recovery, but also because of the uh, demographics, because, well, I'll tell you today, for example, uh, Vietnam veterans comprise the largest uh, percentage of veterans out there on the streets today at 34%. And uh, as is true now was true then, 50% of all males uh, 60 and over are veterans. And that's primarily due to, uh, in our day, uh, it was a draft and there were many more veterans during that time than there were uh, following the, uh, the end of the draft and the veterans that came up, for example, uh, through the Desert Storm, Gulf War, these are all volunteers. So the, the numbers aren't even close to the numbers that you would be looking at during the draft, the, the draft time. I'm the youngest Vietnam veteran you could be because I was there in January 73, for example, when the Paris Peace Accord was signed. I was 19 at the time, and uh, they sent me home in March of 73 during the first wave of those coming home. So at 65 today, uh, I'm probably the youngest Vietnam veteran that you could possibly be during the actual wartime service. This is uh, primarily you know, a lot of the veterans that we're uh, facilitating in our program, because we developed a, a program, uh, we developed two prongs to this program. One is uh, getting the veterans at application. And the other is looking at the various benefits that uh, veterans aren't maximizing through the Paris match. So when, for example, when we get our match back from Paris, from the VA, after we send all of our Medicaid recipients to them, they return a file that says, here are all the ones that we have in our system. Uh, by virtue of the data fields that they have that were like Disneyland for us, for example, a veteran gets a gross monthly payment amount. Let's say he gets $1,200 a month and he's an assisted living facility. Well, I know that a long-term care recipient uh, is eligible for this additional benefit called aid in attendance. And the veteran has to ask for this benefit. 
and it's up to $750 extra a month. It's uh, paraphrasing the VA. It, they say you're in, you must need a th third party to care for you. You must be in need of a third party to care for you uh, as well as, and usually these are long-term care related clients because in need of a third party to care for you could mean a care provider coming into your home under the wavered program we have, COPES. Could be an assisted living, adult family home, nursing home. Paris gives us a data field that tells us whether their monthly benefit amount already includes the aid and attendance. And those that I see aren't, in, the benefit is not included in their monthly benefit amount we isolated an algorithm and we send that list to our state veterans affairs who are our partners in this project with the, uh, with the email saying, here's a list of all the uh, veterans that are long-term care related and not receiving the extra aid and attendance benefit. So could you please facilitate these clients? And that's one of the, one of the lists that we derive from Paris. There's others like, uh, Paris will tell you what kind of veteran you're looking at. They'll say World War II, Korean War, uh, you know, any of the Middle East campaigns and Vietnam veterans. So I knew about the Agent Orange settlement. And, and by the way, uh, as a Vietnam veteran, until this uh, program, I wasn't even aware of the Agent Orange settlement. I had no idea about, about Agent Orange ha causing any number of uh, cancers, including prostate cancer, by the way, which is a common uh, cancer for males. I wasn't aware of any kind of a settlement. And so I learned more about VA benefits as we went along. So when we get the Paris match back, I would isolate the Vietnam vets. And then I would go to our folks uh, in, at uh, the healthcare authority where I work and say, could you give me the diagnostic codes for these clients? And then once they give me the diagnostic codes, I'll take the type two diabetes and the cancer codes. And then I will send that list to uh, our state veterans affairs as well saying, here's a list of clients uh, that are Vietnam vets that uh, based upon their diagnostic codes are suffering from cancer and type two diabetes. I'm thinking that they're Agent Orange candidates. So they will facilitate uh, the process of going about to get them to apply for an Agent Orange uh, claim, which is 100% disability, by the way. I have a question for you before you keep going. Sure. So the Paris Assistance Reporting Information System that has all of the information that you need, that's run by the Department of Defense, correct? Uh, no, that's actually run uh, under the aegis of the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services. Oh, okay. And... Did Washington State have to create any new technology infrastructure in order to make these type of very specific matches that you were making? No, actually, all the other states, well, every state has to participate in Paris as per a, uh, a letter that was sent out to all the state Medicaid directors uh, and a state Medicaid director letter that was sent in 2010, I believe it was. It said that uh, because of uh, the recent legisla federal legislation, uh, all states are required to participate in Paris, and they needed to provide a return signed addendum to their state plan to show that they had a system to receive Paris data. And I think primarily it was uh, due to the state interstate match because that was the basis for which Paris was originally created. 
because all the other states participate. So uh, you're looking at the ability to see who is receiving assistance in more than one state. And uh, by having all states have to participate, uh, when we submit all of our uh, social security numbers simultaneously to the, the intermediary is the Defense Manpower Center. And uh, that's a federal entity. And then they are the ones that send all of our data to the other states and to the VA and to the Department of Defense. Those are the three areas that the match goes. So we call the interstate match is the match between states. And, you know, we'll get back uh, routinely, you know, maybe 20,000 matches per quarter uh, from states that indicate that there's somebody with that social security number collecting Medicaid or some sort of assistance in another state with the same social security number. Uh, sometimes as many as five states, six states as I've seen. That was why it was originally created. And then when I came to Paris uh, through a letter by our secretary, I said I was looking for a, a veterans match we were in the pilot of our program and I thought having a veterans match with the VA would be ideal. Well, the VA just turned me away saying, we don't do that with anyone. Uh, sorry. But they referred me to this entity at uh, Paris through the U S department of health and human services. And they said, Paris is a new project. And it was at the time, they only had 12 States on board. This was 2002. I brought my idea to them about the VA and the Department of Defense thinking TRICARE. Uh, they said, that will not be a problem at all because we've already in talks with the VA. So the VA uh, agreed to jump on board and the Department of Defense as well. Like for example, in the Department of Defense match, we primarily use it to not only verify income, but we use it because um, it gives you all the military retirees, active duty military. And uh, what we do is we know all of these clients have TRICARE coverage or should. So we uh, compare it with uh, what we already have, those that already have TRICARE in our system through our code for TRICARE. And what drops out are those that we receive in the match that we don't have anything about TRICARE and a third party screen. And we send these off to uh, our coordination of benefits people who send out letters to these clients saying, it appears that you're eligible for TRICARE coverage. And they go about facilitating the process of them either getting signed up for uh, TRICARE or re-energizing uh, the coverage that they already had had many, in many cases back to the Champus days and explain how 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 much more modern the system is. You don't have to go in a military base. So to date, how much money has Washington saved, uh, I guess, to put back into the Medicaid program? Over $100 million. Wow. And what specific programs? Is it just going back into the general fund? or? Yeah, it goes back into general fund. Uh, I understand from some of the governor press releases that it, goes back and is used in many cases for other medical Medicaid related programs that, for example, are a little strapped. And how does the outreach process actually work? Does the outreach process work by the state VA department sending out letters to people? Well, it, it basically, uh, we send out the list that uh, I gave examples for 
that we acquire through the Paris Match for the various pr programs that we know that they're they're eligible for that aren't maximized, like aid and attendance, um, uh, veterans that are 50% or more service-connected disabled don't have to go on a VA campus to have their prescriptions filled. Um, it's a un, little used or unknown uh, code of federal regulations that say any veteran 50% or above service-connected disabled can have his own doctor prescribe the medication, send it to the VA whereupon they'll fill it. And if that doctor is not on their list of providers, they have to sign a signature card to show that they are joining the VA network. And um, we also inform them that you don't have to go to the VA uh, or anything. You could have your own doctor do this. So these various categories that we get in Paris, these various algorithms that we run through the Paris match, these are clients that uh, we send to the state VA and also, I developed a barcode program that essentially, so we don't miss anyone, I ask on Monday, the barcode program asks on Monday, it will ask for all of the long-term care cases that were approved the week before. And uh, I'll get a list of perhaps 300 plus cases. And uh, so it'll say, here's all the long-term care cases that were approved the prior week. I'll take that list and I'll add, if it's a female, I'll, I'll add the male, her husband's information. I'll send that list to the state VA and they'll say out of that list of 300, you could do referrals on maybe a hundred of those. Uh, we'll go ahead and contact them because a hundred seem to be potentially eligible uh, for benefits. We have been doing that ever since 2004. So I'd like to think that there isn't a long-term care case that has kind of went through our hands without us, you know, making sure that uh, we've covered it through the barcode list. And uh, I do additional outreach through the uh, American Legion, VFW, retired military officers associations. I do that on my own time. You said you wanted this program to spread. And when we were communicating earlier over email, you said there were 32, 33 states that have some form of this matching and, and outreach happening. And that the three states that are furthest along are California, Texas, and Ohio. Is there any specific characteristic that these states have that have moved on it? Or is it just a matter of resources and priorities? Well, you know, I think in all three states, uh, particularly California and Texas, the sheer number of, uh, of veterans that they have in those states by their size, by the many military bases that they have in their respective states, I, I think that has a lot to do with California and Texas leaping on this. Ohio uh, happens to be just a strong military state uh, that has an emphasis on uh, veterans getting the benefits that they're entitled to. And uh, one of the uh, Medicaid uh, program managers sits on the Paris board of directors with me from Ohio. And uh, after a few of my presentations at our national conference said, you know, uh, I took this to my bosses who said, we need to get on board with this. And uh, a lot of times it takes a, a little outreach. Uh, I followed that up with, 
there was a call that I received from the Columbus Dispatch. That's a newspaper at their capital, and the Columbus Dispatch uh, wanted to know more about the program. And I told them and how successful it was in Washington State. Once that article went out, it reinforced the uh, fellow uh, board members' uh, management uh, referral. And uh, it wasn't long before I was working with the state senators in uh, Ohio to craft legislation similar to the one that we put through and California put through. I, I, I still, before I retire, I'd like to see two states that in particular uh, I think would uh, benefit greatly from this program, and that's Florida. Uh, when I think about you need uh, elderly, long-term care related, and uh, a high number of veterans because, because of that demographic. So I think the Florida Medicaid would benefit greatly from this program as well as Hawaii because I noticed that per capita, Hawaii has a huge number of veterans. And uh, for some strange reason, even at our national conference, you know, I can't seem to get the attention of the Hawaii uh, executive management. Usually the people that attend our conference go back and say, oh, well, when I get through with them, they will. Uh, but uh, here to, I've never really heard from the Medicaid director in Hawaii, but uh, I'm, I'm almost 100% positive they would reap great benefits from this program. Well, I really want to thank you for your time today. Is there anything else you forgot to mention that you want to add? Is there any questions that you had? No, I think you pretty much covered everything <laughs> the whole time you were talking. <laughs> Uh, well, as long as uh, maybe I answered any questions that you, you might have had uh, before I went on and on and on. Um, that's pretty much all I'd like to add initially. And if any state hears this uh, and wants to contact me, I'd be more than happy to spend any amount of time that they might need. So if you're retiring at the end of the year, who's going to take this over? Tim Dolan is uh, my colleague that has been with me since 2006, two years after the program got off the ground. And uh, he's my heir apparent. I've been uh, transitioning through this, our succession program uh, with him uh, to kind of give him my duties. And then they're going to be hiring someone new to fill his spot. Uh, the program hopefully will even be more successful with Tim at the at the helm in the future. Do you want to give out any contact information about where people can find you? Sure. Uh, my email address is william.allman, A-L-L-M-A-N, at hca.wa.gov. And my phone number is 360-725-1020. Well, thank you so much again for being on the program. We really appreciate it. Well, Allison, thank you very, very much for the opportunity and, uh, and for your time. Thank you. Okay, take care. You too, Allison. All right, bye-bye. Bye-bye. For more information about the topics discussed in this program, please see our show notes, where we've included links to the programs that Bill talked about.